Coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, in the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Center, you're listening to The Word on the Hill. Goal! <laughs> and we are... Father Peter Musk. And Scott Powell. We are glad you tuned in today. We're the lanky guys, by the way. Oh, That was yeah. what I was setting up. That was a good setup. Right? I know, it's cool. I missed it, though, man. I did, it was because... I missed I, yours the first we, had a, <laughs> we just did. We don't know which one we're going to do. No, we had a ridiculous one and a not as ridiculous. It lasted a minute and a half, and then we're like, we have to spare you people the the introduction that lasts way too long. So this is what we call m- the meta introduction. This where is where we talk about the the, the Q source that it, it was the source of our second introduction, but you can never have access. You will to never it. find the evidence <laughs> for it. What our first introduction was. We lost to history, <laughs> and so you you will have to speculate forever. <laughs> And all of the introductions will be written off of it. No, yes. no, it really won't because it really wasn't that a very good intro. No. No, no. Nor was and were memorable enough to have anybody save it. So so, so I was uh, I was wasting a bunch of time on um on Facebook because uh, I had I, I had coffee with you yesterday at noon and was that what time? It was yeah, one. It was one Thirty. And I, I literally two. Did, I <laughs> It was because I was teaching a class on Romans until oh, yeah. 1.30. Yeah, so what happens so. is I don't ever drink caffeine oh, no. past like 9 a.m. And so I had had two cups of coffee. Past like, 9 a.m., really? Yeah. like We I always have... have it together when we record this, don't we? Do you never have one? Am I that oblivious to my own friend that I'm yeah. drinking coffee alone every uh, Wednesday? I have it in the morning. But am I always drinking it alone when we record this? Um, no, no, no. You know what? Actually, you have it with me. Yeah, I do. But I had two, and it was like two oh, p.m. So and yeah, I was that's like, too much. And I was uber caffeinated, and I had all these meetings, and I was running around. And I was like, ah, ah, hey, can we? Do-? And I was like, and I, but I wanted to like be Jack Bauer, but the <laughs> truth was, is I just was like, like strung out on caffeine, which is how Jack Bauer seemed a lot of the time, <laughs> didn't he? He was Dude, always a disaster. You know, the, there's one problem with Twenty Four, the TV show. It's Jack- not on. It hasn't been on for years. Well, that's that's problem A. Okay. And problem number two <laughs> nice. is that, uh, dude, Jack Bauer never ate a thing. Dude, we spent literally 24 hours with him, and the bro never ate, that drank water. True. That can't be true. Or slept. He never slept, but he must have eaten something. Nuh-uh, dude. I mean, I can, go, you... I can go a day without eating, but dude, let's- The nerds are all going to start sending us emails, like, now in episode four, season three- he had a, twenty-two. He had a cheeseburger. Like he, he was like eating on the run. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, dude. He's got other business to deal with. I mean, it is twenty-four hours. Twenty-four hours though to not eat anything. You guys, um, on the Facebook page. So th- this gets me back to what I was trying to say before because I was trying to go to bed. I was trying oh, to right. sleep. You did try to have a point. I'm sorry. And uh, and uh, I could not fall asleep because I drank all that coffee. <laughs> so I was. So I this was, is last night. So this is last night. So I uh, got on the lanky guy's Facebook page, mm-hmm, which I'm doing right now. And um, it's and interactive. I and I died laughing because uh, <laughs> Scott, you posted you posted this thing about the total schizophrenic nature of <laughs> of Colorado. <laughs> it was like awesome. The the weather is totally insane, and and like so I, I saw that and it made me it just delighted me because you look at it and it's like are we awake? Are we asleep? That's are, true. Is it sunny or is it snow? And I went off roading today this morning. Um, did you? Yeah, I that's did. why your car is so muddy. Oh yeah, dude, it's got makeup right now. That's what they call it on Jeeps. There's a lot of it. Yeah. She's... Your Roman collar and the front grill. So Father Peter has this big, huge Jeep Wrangler with his beefed up tires, and it's black, but the white grill is like a little white Roman collar. It's cool. pretty cool. So you'd notice him driving around. Yeah, so if you ever see my white Roman collar, you know that it's me. 
And if I'm behind you and I like totally um, like get really, really close to your car, I, I don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> you can just stick your hand out of the top and just give blessings as you uh, run people off the road. Yeah, exactly. That's nice. that's that's what I'm doing. They will be forgiving. Like us on Facebook, everyone. We have a Facebook site. So please go there. No one, not one person participated in our informal vote on Father Peter Oreo cookie face picture. Dude. Yeah, you're not. The, I mean, a- Angie Harder did tell me that we need to stop talking about food. She did. Angie, why? We like food. I mean, we're lanky, but we like food. It's how it goes. We eat every time we do the podcast because we're lanky because sometimes actually we forget to eat is the truth of it. That's a part of it. But it's also there's the bi- the biblical tradition is the meal sharing is a way of forging covenant and exploring the word of God. So I we, w- we, so want we a ate seven- a Totino's party pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so we seven ourselves over some Totino's party pizza. And uh, and and it's good. So now we're we're, we're covenanted together, and we include you in 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 that. Cause Not in the meal. So this is the this is the reality. Um, we love you, and we oh. want to share the, the as word, a friend the word the word of, the word of the Lord the word of the Lord will be with you. And so today and with your spirit, man, I'm really excited to talk about Acts of the Apostles. Can we talk about the Acts of the Apostles? Let's talk about the Acts of the Apostles. We're both a little frustrated, and I'm trying to keep my frustration because I don't know the mind of the church in this matter, and I trust her with all of my heart. Me too. However, <laughs> given given that, the reading from Acts of the Apostles, it, it's a fine reading. It's very interesting. All of scripture is inspired by God and good and profitable for teaching, but I feel like this one's missing one of the best parts. So what happens is we are in the 14th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, where we uh, where we pick up is verse nineteen, right? Twenty one. We pick up in verse twenty one. Okay. Oh yeah, th- that's that's right. Because uh, and and so so v- you have to read the very beginning of the of uh, the fourteenth chapter because it's where all the drama is. Basically, we get a travel log of Paul and Barnabas in, in this in this first chapter, and um and uh, Scott and I we were we were trying we I've been reading a book about um storytelling. And so uh, one of the things that I've been looking at with the readings is I'm going like, what is the opposition? Where's the opposition so that I can understand who the hero is by the opposition that's coming into their lives? Right. Because the argument in this book you're reading, which you gave me a copy and I'm really excited to read, it has to do with you you can't fully understand and unpack the protagonist, the main character, without an antagonist, without knowing who the bad guy is. Exactly. So how do you unpack the story unless you have... And and so I, so I started reading it verse twenty one and the, and it just uh, and it just f- fell a little flat so it's, it's like it feels it, a little flat it's just like well then they went over here and then they pre- preached the good news and then they went this way and it talked about them saying to themselves they um they were strengthened they said it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter into the kingdom of God so they're talking about their suffering they're preaching the gospel they're kind of moving from place to place this by the way this is the very end of what's called the first missionary journey. So Paul, throughout the Acts of the Apostles, will go on three major journeys, three cycles. Which, which after after we talk about what we're about to talk about, you guys are going to be surprised that the bro ever went back. Yeah, totally. Because this, yeah, this is the end of the first. It ends where it begins. So he winds up back in Antioch, um, where's which is where he began. But the background to this, do you want to talk about the background? Or do you want me to talk about? It? We'll both talk about. The we'll background. both talk about. We'll it. do it together. So if you if you back up to chapter the beginning of chapter fourteen, 
and kind of take it in context. We're in a place called Iconium, right? Which is near Antioch. It's near Pisidian Antioch. It's it, it's very iconic. <laughs> oh, I- <laughs> so they're in Iconium, and as usual, what Paul does whenever he goes into a new city, and this is kind of beautiful, but the thing that he does, what is, Father Peter, what does he do whenever he goes into a new city? He goes into the synagogue and, yeah, he, and just checks in. Yeah, which is a beautiful thing to think. I mean, what does Paul do before he kind of goes out to the ends of the earth? He goes to his family. You know, the, the, that's the appropriate way to share the gospel, um, to, to go to the people we know first, go to our loved ones, then we can begin to go outward but that's what he does so he goes to the synagogues first and then what happens father peter um he preaches really well like this is the thing about paul is that he he anybody who hears him gets stoked unless Mm. you're in leadership yeah and that's the thing where is it um do 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 yeah so let's read that very first part of 14 if you don't mind now at Iconium, they entered together, that's Paul and Barnabas, into the Jewish synagogue, and so spoke that a great company believed, both of Jews and the Greeks. So let's get one thing straight here. And yep. there's there's been a lot of confusion over hundreds of years, and this has led to a lot of problems. The scriptures are not anti-Semitic, and we need to get that out of the way. This is one great example that says both the Jews and the Greeks are believed. He went to a synagogue. He's speaking to Jewish people. Now, frequently, and last week's reading, last week's first reading, uh, talked about the Jews did not allow them to do this or that. Or the Jews were stirring up trouble. All through uh, John's gospel, especially, he always says the Jews were unbelieving and the Jews were out to get him. Usually, for especially for John and also for Acts of the Apostles, that's code language for him to talk about specific leadership within the synagogue. So the Pharisees, the scribes, these type of people. Because remember, synagogue Paul, officials, synagogue officials, right? Because Paul and Barnabas, remember, are Jews. Jesus was a Jew. Mary was a Jew. The twelve apostles, they're all Jewish. So this is not saying, oh my gosh, all the Jewish people are out to get them. Everybody else is great. No, it's it's just kind of shorthand for the gospel writers talking about specific leadership, people in leadership capacity. Because here it says, Jews and Gentiles, <laughs> what are you doing? I was going to get an atlas out. <laughs> I just I just tried to get a, a, a book out of the shelf. And, and you it, tried to do it super smoothly. And it just like yanked out and then fell on the floor. Right when you were trying to like make a point. I'm sorry, okay. everybody in no, the cool. witnessing audience. But that does need to be said from the get-go because of where the story's going. So Jews, Gentiles, everybody's excited about it. Everybody's pumped about it. Your average everyday folks, Joe Schmo in the pew, they're all pumped about this, right? Totally stoked. And it goes on. I mean, you can keep you can keep following the story. They go on. They they go on to this place called Lystra and Derby, which is nearby. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Before I... So, yeah, so basically... But there's when, the but in verse two, right? The but, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. So they remained a long time, speaking boldly about the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both by Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to molest them and stone them, they learned of it and fled. So they take off. So they leave Iconium and they go to this uh, place called Lystra, uh, which is around Derby. Lystra, it's, a, it's a, the place where the fabric's made. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't, isn't it's it, what the bicyclists wear. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that Lystra? Their, their isn't, isn't that Lystra? <laughs> they're Lystra bike pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's very biblical. Once the weather gets nice again, I'll start breaking out my Lystra. <laughs> I like to bike a lot. Hey, that's good. I always try to get into the student center really early in the morning so nobody sees my, <laughs> my You're lank. 
<laughs> your, your your Lystra link. My Lystra link. Anyway, so they take off and they they go on and there's kind of this segue in the story and they go and heal this guy who has I couldn't use his feet and there's these miracles and it's great. Um, but they go back, right? They find their way back to um, Iconium. Is that where they are? Yeah, they find their way back to Iconium. And, and here's the nutshell of what's happened. They go back, they start preaching more. They're telling people what, who Jesus is, what he's done. It's this beautiful scene. And the people there are so pumped about it. They're so stoked that they start declaring Barnabas and Paul to be God. This was in Lystra, actually. Oh, we're in Lystra still. Yeah, yeah, Lystra. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, was, oh, right, because the guys come from Iconium. Yeah, they, it, yeah. There's so much geography here, it actually does get kind of hard to keep up with, doesn't and it? It does. That's why That's why <laughs> the reading, in some ways, is actually helpful. It, it yeah. can actually give us an entrance into being able to tell this story totally. as we're preaching. Yeah, so they go down to Lystra because people are inciting them up in, up in uh, Iconium. And people are so excited, they're so pumped, they they think that Paul and Barnabas are gods, and they're calling Barnabas Zeus. Yeah, the, he, the, yeah the, uh, Paul lays his hands on this one guy, and he he stands up, and everybody's yeah. like, oh my oh, God, they're like, Zeus! <laughs> yeah. And they're bringing Hermes. out animals, and they're bringing out animals to make sacrifices. Dude, like, you, we're going to sacrifice our goats to you, and they're dude, like, oh no. Dude, I feel funny it. when somebody really praises a homily. They're like, dude, this really spoke to me. And you're like, and you thank the Lord, you thank the Holy Spirit. But when somebody really kind of goes to the next step, you're like, what is the next step? Sacrificing their calf? No, dude. If somebody like brought their dog out and was like, (laughs) I'm going to sacrifice my dog. And they like cut its throat in front of you. And you're like, "Um, you're sick. Does that happen? N- no, it really never happened. But I'm just trying to make an analogy. No, uh, but, but that's it's it's so ridiculous. It's wild. I mean, I'm sure there's analogies to be made, but yeah, it's weird. So there's super, but we were talking about this earlier, and I do think there's. So th- I I think it's interesting. We talked a couple weeks ago, right? And this is kind of one of the things I love to think about. So growing up in Boulder, and this is a beautiful place. I think it's one of the most beautiful places mm, in the country. It is. And there's a lot of people in Boulder who are kind of into the new agey kind of a thing. A lot of people love the environment. And there's a lot of people that I know that have become what's called earth worshipers. They want to, they, they literally treat the earth as though it is in itself divine and God. And don't, don't we call those people druids? <laughs> well, there's an ancient form of it. I know. I'm just kidding. No, but it's true. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of in the, of that same druidic spirit. It is. It is. But it's it's on some level. There's a lot. I mean, if you if you don't know God, and you see the beauty of uh, my drive in this morning was incredible. Coming out of South Boulder Road, and the snow is glistening and it's melting because it's this, you know, bluebird blue sky, this cobalt blue sky, and. You see something that is divine because God created this and he loves it. So it's logical to see what is created by the hand of the master artist and to be tempted to say, wow, this is divine and to be tempted to worship it. So, I mean, these guys are seeing, these people are seeing Paul and Barnabas do the very deeds of Jesus Christ. They're seeing the works of God through these guys' hands. So it's not totally illogical to think, Wow, these guys are God because God is working through them. Yeah, they're tu- they're touching the divine. Yeah, which is interesting because this is that's exactly where Paul goes when he's preaching to them. Because what he ends up saying, he says he says in past this verse sixteen. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, yeah. for he did good and gave you from heaven rains, fruitful seeds, uh, and fruitful seasons. Yeah, he's saying. That basically, all you have to look around it is that you have this profound providence in yes. your life because God yes. is good and He loves, God is good you. And and loves they, you. And these are actually witnesses, and that's why you can totally mistake. He, and so He's making the analogy for yes. us. He's saying, 
I'm a witness to the divine power. Right. I am not divine. I'm not I'm a divine. witness to it. Like the seasons and yeah, the fruitfulness yeah. and all these sorts of things that you even had developed cult around. Yes. No, there is a source and an origin. Yeah. And so, so again, this, this kind of makes sense, but Paul and Barnabas, they're flipping out. They're like, don't sacrifice things to us. This is not appropriate. But that's when you get kind of the twist. And then verse 19 is the, it's the big turning point moment, isn't it? And in verse 19, it says, but Jews came oh. there from Antioch. Oh, what? Hold on. But beforehand, like the whole scene, when you guys read this, I just want you to imagine Monty Python. <laughs> like, I could just see it a Monty Python comedy where Paul and Barnabas, and they're like, he can't, he can't find the right mic position. That's no, it keeps dropping. Do you watch it? It's just, oh, just, oh, just, just turn, that little knob. turn that knob. It's down to my belly button. Other way. Other way. Other way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I want you to do is I want you to imagine Monty Python and like all the people and they're going to sacrifice. They're like, Zeus, Hermes. <laughs> and then, and then, then, then they're like, we're not them. And they're like, oh. oh. He's like, but they gave witnesses. They're like, kill the calf. Like, the and they're life like, of Brian. And they're like, and then they're like, we're going to do it. And they're, they're like, no. And like, I just, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I keep on seeing. That's in, really funny. In, in, in my eyes. I like okay, it. but verse 19. Yeah, so it says, but Jews came there from Antioch and Iconium. Now remember, they just kind of got driven out of Antioch and Iconium, because people were divided about these guys. And I, I imagine, okay, here's Jewish leaders, right? The synagogue leaders. They're hearing, wait a second, these guys who we have a beef with anyway, people are worshiping them now down up the street in Lystra, and people are trying to offer sacrifices. There's That's not going to fly. And so they go up, and they're ticked off. And they take Paul. Remember, what do they do? They stone him. Excuse me. They stone him. They drag him out of the city, and they basically leave him for dead. And they actually think he is dead. I like the way it says, they, they said they, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. <laughs> right. But the, what does he do? The disciples gathered around him and he rose up and entered the city. Which, by the way, remember, we've been talking about how everything that they do in the Acts of the Apostles should be, in some sense, a reminder of what Jesus did while he was on earth. Mm. Here's Paul who gets what they think they killed him and here he's shown rising up again. So, I mean, this is a sign of the resurrection. So he gets up. Dude, that guy has so much guts. I cannot handle it. It's true. He gets up and he goes back. Well, and that's why I think the reading afterwards is, is all significant. Yeah. Cause we, yeah. we, we, we get to hear his like gangster rap tour. He's like, he's like, Pamphylia, Phrygia, Antioch. <laughs> what's up? Lystra. How you feel me? Like, dude in the house. Like I always feel like that's what he's doing. I think you're right. But that's just that's just because I was raised in the nineties, nineties, nineties robots. And, and so, dude, he but he's got so much guts. I'm, he I'm does. really, I'm really taken by him right now. So this is an incredible story, right? He's preaching there. He divides the city. He gets driven out. People are worshiping him because they think he's God. Other people find out. They stone him. They try to kill him. He goes back for more. He keeps preaching, and, and a, then the reading picks up. And then for he's Sunday. and he's appointing elders he's and he's fasting in prayer and everybody's believing. By the word by the way the word uh, when it says he appoints elders the word for elder in Greek is presbyteroi which is where the presbyterians get their name from but it's also presbyteroi is where we get the term priest. So literally in the Greek what he's doing is appointing priests. And it's uh, this is it's a subtle this isn't a proof text but it's a subtle sign of apostolic authority because here's Paul as an apostle who's appointing and ordaining new priests in a particular city which is part of his job as an apostle and a bishop so it's a subtle little reference to the nature of the high the hierarchical nature of the church even this early on that's kind of cool side that's, note that's awesome and then they passed through Pisidia came to Pamphylia and then they went to Perga Italia Antioch. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, and this is our reading for the week. And it taught where's that line? And it talks about how they rejoiced in their sufferings. But unless you read the whole context of chapter 14, you don't know what those sufferings are because it's saying they're traveling and they're talking about all these ways that they've suffered for the Gospels, but that happens just after Paul was stoned and left for dead and then preached the Gospel in spite. So if, if you don't know that, you're going to miss sort of part of the, the beauty of this. Yeah. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together and declared all that God had done with them and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, declared all that God had done for them. Yeah. And that's very important because that last little line, especially, I think, is going to tie a lot into the other readings that we have for this week, which we should probably get to because right now we're 24 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll edit that, and that won't be the case when you listen to it, but well, maybe it will. Maybe it will. Dude, did you, have you researched the psalm? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> the that's psalm. a good That's a good one. That's a good So we're in Psalm 145. Um, I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. Uh, it talks about the Lord is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger, of great kindness. It's a really beautiful song. It's one that we're we're all maybe familiar with. It's read a lot in the Mass. This has been, uh, I, I was reading, actually, this has been a popular hymn or psalm in the Christian tradition to say before meals because it talks about God giving us all of these things. He's gracious. He pours out his bounty. But here's what, what else is kind of interesting. This is just literarily, I'm fascinated by this psalm. There's a handful of psalms that are written in what's called the acrostic style. Do you know what an, an acrostic poem is? Isn't that somebody who's really angry and they're going to hurt you soon? That's accosting. Oh, <laughs> it's not an acrostic no, poem. No, it's not a psalm that will accost us. <laughs> no, I, I've, heard, I've heard it before, but I cannot remember what Acrostic, it's, it's basically alphabetical. So what it means is each line of the psalm begins with uh, a letter Aleph, of the alphabet. So Aleph, in, bet, gimel, hey, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the first line would begin with LF or A, and the next line with B, and the next line with C. So it actually goes through the alphabet. Um, and there's a handful of psalms that do that, and, and this is one of them. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it, this is a kind of a neat, fun little literary trick. By the way, the, the whole book of Lamentations is structured this way, which is not a book we read very often. Yeah. Uh, but it's structured in this way. And what it's meant to do, it's not just kind of a cute little, I was reading a, a commentary that talked about, there's a, there's a Charles Dickens book called Bleak House, in which he uses an acrostic style to, to name the characters in the book. And he does it just because he's cutesy and they go through, you know, Buffy, Cuffy, Duffy, and Coodle, Moodle, and Boodle. And kind of, which is cutesy, but that's not what the Psalms are doing. This isn't a cute literary style. It serves, um, it's an aspiration to truth, basically stating, and the psalmist is trying to say, God is to be praised with every single sound that he gave us from A to Z, mm. all encompassing. And that takes on a whole new light once you realize in the New Testament that this this gospel message is meant now to go to all people, not just to the inner circles, not just to the Israelites, but now to the Gentiles alike from Iconia to Lystrum to Rome to the capital of the world, everywhere else. From A to Z, we are to be thankful to the Lord and spread this. So it's, it's really quick beautiful. quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. Hallelujah. <laughs> what? That had, that, had, that had every letter of the alphabet in it. Really? Yeah. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. But it's a beautiful psalm. Dude, and, and this is toward the end of the Psalter. So it's appropriate that toward the end of the Psalter, this is, it's beginning to kind of wrap up and, and perspective, give us a, a broader perspective on things. It's a beautiful psalm. You actually really blew my mind with trying to praise God with every sound that is. Isn't that cool? It's really beautiful. I mean, I made a joke of it, but I... No, but... <laughs> Make your joke. 
It's really cool, though. It's really beautiful. Good job. I knew you'd appreciate it. I knew you'd like it. Yeah, I thought you were going to accost me with it, but now that I realized it was. <laughs> and then we, we come to Revelation. We've been in Revelation. We've been bouncing through Revelation, though. Oftentimes in the. <laughs> bounce, bounce. What up, Lagonia? What up, Palistra? What up? New heavens and new earth. <laughs> but we have been bouncing. We um, Usually, oftentimes, in, when the second reading is taken from a particular book, it kind of follows, you know, you read you read it kind of uh, linearly. in order. Linearly. Linearly, that's the word I can think of. But in Revelation, we're all over the place. So we jump to the very end of the book of Revelation here, to Revelation 21, which is, as you are well aware, one of my favorite sections of the scriptures because one of the things I love to talk about and I love sort of working through and trying to figure out, because uh, I don't, is what what the scriptures mean when they talk about a new heavens and a new earth, the new creation. too. I mean, we share that in a really intense way. We do. And and here is a great insight into this because here's the thing. Roman uh, Revelation 21, the common the common conception I think Christians have in the world, and I don't know when this happened. I think it happened in the 19th century. It's influenced by a certain brand of Protestantism and a certain brand of Christian escapism. And here's the thing. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people look at Christians and they think of us as escapists. Maybe a lot of Christians think of the world in escapist terms. In other words, the world sucks. Things are terrible. There's let's, a lot of suffering. But someday I'm going to yeah. die and I'm going to get the heck out of here. And I'll float up onto the clouds and that'll be that, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that such a conception of Christianity? Yeah, But totally. that's not Christian hope. That's not Christianity. Christianity says, I mean, read Revelation for Pete's sake. It says, I looked up and it's not us. The movement of Revelation is not us going. It's heaven coming. It's that not we're going to float off someday. It's that when Christ comes again, there will be a new heavens and a new earth, a new heavenly Jerusalem that will literally descend from the clouds and come here. And what we believe as Christians is just that Jesus took on human flesh, just like us, died in it, suffered in it. Three days later, he actually rose in that same human flesh. It was glorified. It was transformed. It could pass through walls and, and stuff. But it was the same flesh. And so I see no reason. Not, and, and we say every week in the creed, when we, when we go to mass, we look forward to the resurrection of the dead. So what the fun, this fundamental Christian belief, Catholic belief, we will be raised from the dead someday. Not just our souls, not just our spirits, but our physical bodies that we suffer in. And if that's true, we also believe that the created order itself, although it's probably going to pass away and go through a suffering and purgation, it too will. This is the stuff of the new creation. I think that's the bottom line. Creation is a place. The heavens and the new earth, it's a place. It's a physicality. And I think God, if we believe in a God who just wants to take all of our suffering and pain and just forget about it and wipe it off the books and have us float off to heaven on a cloud, that's not Christianity. What we believe in is a God who wants to take all of humanity, all of physicality, all of material, all of your suffering, all of our pain, all of our baggage, and literally transform it into something profound and beautiful, not just wipe it away. And that's the Christian message, right? I'm sorry, I'm getting on a soapbox, but it's so profound. And that's that's the whole point. Otherwise, and if that's not true, then why are the apostles going from town to town trying to redeem these cities? Why are they saying, look, look at the seasons, like what you read from the Acts of the Apostles. Look at the seasons. Look at the way God has actually created the natural order with your crops. He loves his matter. He loves what he's created, and he's using it to show us. Um, now, here's the other segue, and I'll segue this, but... So the section from Revelation is all about how God, the answer to this whole question of human suffering is that God will come down and he will bring heaven to us, which is 
in a nutshell, what we believe is happening at every mass, is it not? Mm-hmm. We believe heaven literally touches earth. Truth. <laughs> so we believe that's going to all culminate at the end of time, and we'll see it with our full eyes. Yeah. But, now that's the segue, and I want to jump to the gospel really quick. And we can come back to Revelation if you have something. But Dude, you, you know that like so many thoughts occurred in my head. I'm sure they did. And so them. many things that I wanted to say, that, but dude, you were on a roll, so I, could, I couldn't interrupt. I had, <laughs> so, to let, yeah. I had to let the beauty flow. So we're on the segue, we've got the Sterling engines going, and we're here. Well, here's the thing. So John's gospel, which again is a really short one. Um, listen to what it says. Now, when Judas had left them, Jesus said, this is this is the moment when Judas has gone off to betray Jesus, right after the Last Supper. Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God <laughs> will, also, uh, will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. Children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, and you should love one another. This is how you will know that you are my disciples. Love, 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 love. But here's love, here's love, love. there's like there's a yeah go ahead. Well, here's what's going on though. I mean, we know from Revelation at the end of time, God will not just sweep us all off, but He will descend to be with us for all time. Mm. What is the whole point of this gospel reading? Jesus is saying, guess what? God has just descended from heaven to be among you. I am Him. Mm. Again, I have come. I'm going to come back again in a way that's going to blow your minds even more than this time that I've spent among you, these 33 years, but this has actually happened. You're waiting for the final culmination of it, but the gospel is tied to revelation because Jesus is saying, look, it has happened now. God is among you. And if that's happened, and if I'm going to remain with you, then your job is to take that revelation that's now come to you and take it to the ends of the earth, which apparently is not cryptic for the apostles because in the acts of the apostles, they're doing it. And they get it. And they're like, okay, we better get moving. And if they kill us, if they look like they kill us, we get back up we roll, you know, we wipe the stones off of our head and we go back and we do it some more. So they get this. This is kind of cool. In a totally visceral, 100%, no, exactly, yeah. no hesitated way. I mean, like, they're going to walk as far as they possibly go. And you have the Apostle Thomas. I mean, we got people who are going all the way out. Yeah. And why? I, I mean, what's the worst that somebody could do to them? What's the worst thing that could happen to the apostles? They could get killed. Yeah. Well, what happened to their leader and their God? He got killed. And they got any of his rose. popped ro- back up. <laughs> what are you going to do to us? That's their, <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's the mentality. What are you going to do? Kill us. Great. I'll rise again. Yeah, because God is sovereign. Because he, God is sovereign. He, he is. <clears throat> and for me, like like uh, the, hu- the huge connection in the middle of all of this is the temple curtain being torn in tune to right. torn in two at the, the crucifixion of Jesus. Yes. Because it was on it, it was a four inch thick a tapestry that had all of the flora and fauna of the world and it was a represent what no 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 talk to me what did it do you remember what it had on it no we've th- talked about this before we have man well, Josephus Josephus records this yeah dude all enlighten me it's the uh, it's the constellations it's the cosmos so when it's, Jesus is crucified what's happening the heavens are ripped open man for some reason I had in my mind that it was flora and fauna but there's they, lots of flora and fauna around in the temple. But but not on the temple curtain. It was cosmos. So the curtain was, was the constellations. So they had the constellations up on the curtain in the Which temple? Which means the heavens are ripped. Just like at the baptism. Remember are the beginning freaking, of the Gospels? That's even cooler than Jesus what I baptism, what happens? The heavens are in Mark. It says Rent. they're schizo. They're ripped. And the Spirit descends upon him. At the end of his life, where the baptism commences or culminates, right, in his crucifixion, the heavens yeah. are ripped. 
And now, but but that's what's happening, right? God has broken into the created order. He's he's come into his creation. The heavens are ripped open, and the presence of God is among men now. Dude, I'm going to throw something in here. Throw it. My brother, Neil, well, well, he gets shots out all the time because I talk to him, and he gives me <laughs> interesting things. The, um, uh, there is a, a movie by Gary Husvit, which is uh, uh, called Urbanized. And it's the whole, it's, it's all trying to talk about the, the design of the city. He, he did a couple other movies, Helvetica and Objectified, and he's trying to talk about design. Isn't Helvetica a font? It is. It's a whole movie about a font, and it's a freaking awesome movie, so don't make fun of me. I'm not. Whatever. I would never make fun of a font. Uh, uh. A font movie. <laughs> a father, whatever. Father and his font movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm sorry. So Gary Husvit. Husvit. Um, he's talking about the nature of a city is a place of encounter. The reason why people get together yeah. is actually to encounter each other. Yes. So as we're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem descending and coming down, it's actually, it's becoming the place of encounter. Yes. So the heavenly yes. Jerusalem is, in, in, in some sense, we can conceptualize it in a reality that is um, just bricks and mortar. But but Jesus has already taught us that the true temple is not bricks and mortar. Yeah. It is, is it is his body, yes. which by extension, then the heavenly Jerusalem coming down, if if he is the temple at the center, then the city that's being built is built of living stones. Well, and if he is the temple, then what is the city? It is the church. It is the church. And so the wow. heavenly Jerusalem coming down in this vision with the heavens uh, being rent open, oh. then this is actually where, and, and this is how we understand. And um, I don't know, I've, it's, just That's blown, cool. it's just blowing my mind because that, cause it's, I think what you're talking about, the, the, this Christian fatalism saying like, yeah. um, fatalism, I, is a good way to put it. I just kind of, I mean, I, there's a part of me that for, for a while there, I used to be like, dude, trash the earth, we'll go colonize Mars, whatever. Yeah. Like, and, but but in, in a certain sense, it's saying no. There is a profound relationship of stewardship of yeah. of dominion right. that we have on uh, on the planet because we're actually supposed to manifest this reality. Right. And and everybody used to be able to go their own way, as we used to see, as we said in that first reading. Right. But now, we are actually called to worship the one true God together. Right. That's why I love the cathedrals. I, that's why totally. I love Hagia Sophia. I mean Sophia. That, that was <laughs> that yeah. coffee shop. The coffee shop? What are you talking about? Hagia Sophia. Oh, the actual yeah, one yeah, in, yeah. in just, Greece. Just, Justinian's, <laughs> Justinian's There's an amazing coffee shop, shout out to it, in Colorado Springs called Hagia Sophia, which is an, a big, it's like a big old mansion that's, it's owned by the Greek Orthodox Church, and it's a bookstore slash coffee shop. It's my favorite coffee shop in the world. Whoa. Hagia Sophia. Dude, I, I, I know some people who'd put it pitted against Eighth Day Books in uh, Wichita, Kansas. I've never been there, but it's in Wichita, Kansas, yeah. which I love for all of you in Wichita, Kansas. Woohoo! Here's Wichita. to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends. It's awesome, man. So, um, Scott, I, I've been listening to us talk, and I'm trying to figure out. How, what I don't, I don't have a clear. Um, I mean, I have some segues. Um, but uh, I guess we, I guess we got to the kind of thread that brought, so. the, brought them together. I mean, like this reality of, of the, the true manifestation of Christ. God has broken into humanity, into yeah. this physical world. And, 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 and it demands this response. It demands a response. And there's no, con- I mean, the consequences are, are, are manageable for us hmm. because if we suffer because of it, 
we believe in a God who suffered but was victorious and rose. No defeat. No defeat. And Jesus is is taking up sovereignty of everything. So everything conspires for those who believe in him. Exactly right. And because we have the new heavens and the new earth. Yes, we have access to it. Yeah. It's it's here. It's here. It's cool. Just have to reach out and grab it. We just can't see it in its fullness yet, which we will someday. There is still something to look forward to. Even if I have the eclipse viewer thing that I got from No, then you can see it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're good then. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, email us at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Check us out on Facebook. Thank um, you, guys. <laughs> um, you know, give us uh, commentary, ideas, read ahead. Um, you can always give us ideas. I mean, like, we're, we're you know, I um, I like reading this stuff, and I think about it, and you can think about it, too. You can join uh, our Havarim. Ah, yes. Either by email or Facebook. Post a message, engage with other people. There's lots of other people out there that are listening to this. So You can also leave us um, random folded anonymous notes. Yes. Just laying about you'd have to be close to us (laughs) (laughs) you would which many of you are according to the facebook stats (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah anyway well shout out to um all all the listeners a shout out to uh, bob baselli bob baselli he sent me a totally awesome email that was kind of fake um but but it was (laughs) but it was totally inspirational and uh and uh to all of the brothers the baselli brothers they 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 always send the love i think they're super dedicated Um, who else? Who else needs a shout out? Uh, Lou Pohorens, Lou, um, uh, and Loj, the whole Loj line of Judah household from Steubenville, some of whom I think are listening to this podcast. So I think that you guys I, are studs. I think they're doing a weekly study on. That's it. the rumor, but I didn't want to say that because then they'll be like, "Ah, oh, they mentioned us. We're not going to do it now." Yeah. Well, not, no, we just have to pressure them into yeah, it. Yeah, do they, it. Man. You guys, they, you guys, Loj, you need to send us your comments. Do it, please. We don't read them, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We will. No, we will. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week on Pentecost. Pentecost. We will not accost you on Pentecost. But we might play a game of Pentecost. You love that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye, everybody. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.